says, you've heard it said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. And we talked about this last week of love and hate and how that God hates sin and uh, and how we ought to hate sin. And there are seven things that the Lord hates there in Proverbs, and it talks about those things. And uh, and what he's saying here is, is, you've heard it said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That is not an Old Testament quote, but that is basically how the Pharisees had come in their interpretation, and they, they felt justified in their hatred. They felt justified in their anger towards Gentiles and Samaritans and, you know, themselves puffing themselves up and thinking how holy they were and all. And and all of this is is so ungodly, so ungodly. And we need to be very careful about our attitude towards things. Would you not agree with me on that? Uh, It is so easy for us to complain It is so easy for us to find fault with other people. And I want to encourage you. May God help us to fill our minds with the praise and the adoration of our Lord in this world. This world needs to see Christians who are acting like Christians. And I'm afraid that we've entered into the critical realm and we feel justified and we give excuses. Well, if he hadn't treated me this way or if that wasn't going on, as if there's a reason for us to violate our relationship with our wonderful Lord and with one another. And so as he gets into this, he's talking about going that second mile or going that third mile. And uh, he, he talks about this there and he says, But I say, verse 44, unto you, love your enemies. And again, love is not so much an emotion as it is an action. All right? Sometimes it might be easier to like somebody than to love somebody. Love is action. How we conduct ourselves towards someone else. And he tells them to love your enemies, bless them that curse you. It's almost like they, they've thrown you under the bus and you encourage them to have a good journey. Is that easy to do? It's not easy to do. And then he says, uh, do good to them that hate you. Have benevolence. Uh, We don't reply in kind with bitter words, but we reply in Christ. Is that easy to do? We're talking about this on Wednesday night, and I, I want to encourage you to be a part of our Wednesday night study. We're talking about walking in the spirit, not walking in the flesh. It's easy for us to walk in the flesh. It's easy for us to get used to walking in the flesh. It's easy for us to get, become critical and not even recognize it. It's easy for us to say things or to do things that is not according to the scriptures. And, and then he goes on and he says, and pray for them that despitefully use you. And you say, well, you know, I can do that. Oh, God, would you cause their car to break down? <laughs> you think that's the kind of prayer that he's praying about? What do you think he's praying about there? For their well-being. 
for their salvation and primarily for their salvation. And understand that all these things here is not so that that you can get more friends and have influence and things like that go well for you. No, people need to see the Lord. Amen to that. Uh, our Sunday school teacher, Brother Turner, this morning, he, he read, and I said, where's that verse? Colossians chapter 4, and I don't have it up on the screen there. But he says uh, in Colossians chapter 4, uh, he says, uh, uh, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Oh, Help us with this. With all praying also for us, uh, Paul is telling those folks as he's in prison, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. What? Here Paul is in prison. And he is praying that a door would be opened so that he can share the gospel. You know, my, my mind goes back to when he was in the Philippian jail. Do you all remember when he was in the Philippian jail? He was beaten. He was humiliated. Possibly even by the keeper of the prison. You all know what I'm talking about? And as they were there in prison, what were they doing at midnight? They were singing and they were praising God. And I, 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 I often think of the angels and I'm like, whoa, glory. And it caused an earthquake here and the jail was opened. And the prison keeper, who possibly Donna had beat Paul, understand that? What does Paul say? Do thyself no harm, we're all here. And then he presented Jesus Christ to him, and the prison keeper got saved that night in his house. Amen to that. Remember James, when he was being stoned by the Pharisees and the religious crowd there as he had preached the word, and they were brought under conviction, and they just grinded their teeth. And as he was going into eternity, he looked up into heaven and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wanting people to be saved. Understand lost people act like lost people because they are lost and they need the Savior. We cannot lose sight of that. Uh, Peter, uh, let's see, First Peter chapter 2. Uh, and I didn't read all of Colossians there. Let me just... Uh, read you a little bit more. Verse 4 says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the times. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. You know, sometimes we need to bite our tongue just long enough to ask God for wisdom and how we ought to respond to the situation that's brought before us. You know, it doesn't hurt to bite your tongue just a little bit before we say something that we wished we hadn't said. Have you ever said anything you wished you hadn't said? Can I see your hands? Let me look around. I want to make sure we're all sinners here. Okay. Truly. Truly, there, there is something here that's coming out that is so, so very, very important. And First Peter chapter 2, and he says, 
I beseech you, uh, verses 11, uh, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust. You see, it is our lust, it is our pride that enters in and it makes us ornerier than we ought to be. It is our flesh. And we have been dealing with this on Wednesday night for some time. And I recognize my flesh. And it's a battle. It is a daily battle. To put my flesh into subjection. And to deal with these things that want to get back in pride or whatever. It says these things war against our soul. The idea we've been talking about the battle of the mind. And how that the devil will put in or the flesh will put in those thoughts. Those those uh, devious thoughts or those negative devil thinking thoughts. And, and we entertain those thoughts and we don't bring them into captivity. And then in verse 12 it says having your conversation honest. Amongst the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, I mean, this is now Paul or Peter speaking about the Gentiles t- talking about how we're the evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of, uh, of visitation. Submit yourselves to the ordinances of men for the Lord's sake. Whether it be the kings or supreme or as governors as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Don't enter into foolishness because others have said certain things. May God help us with this benevolent actions. Kind words, praying for them. These are good tests to discover whether we are living in this capacity. And so he goes on back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. He says that you may be the children of your father. Now, let's stop the horses, because I every time I read something like that, and so often I run into people who begin to believe that by doing good deeds or doing these types of things, we'll become children of the Father. That's not what it's saying. What it is saying here, and what Jesus is trying to bring out in this, this Sermon on the Mount, is that we will conduct ourselves like our Father. Does that make sense? In other words, you must be born again. And there's only one way to be born into God's family. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he was buried. That's why he rose again. So that you could become a child of the king. Now, as I raised six children. There were times that they acted like their parents. And there was times that they didn't act like their parents. Now, you could take that both ways, by the way. (laughs) Is that not right? Where did they learn some of the stuff? From the parents. I'm going to tell you, folks, may God help us to be godly examples to our children. I don't know how it is that parents today trying to raise their children and not be faithful to God 
and faithful to what God wants them to do and expect their children to come out any better. Joshua talks about how that there are, excuse me, not Joshua, Judges. I'm just into Samson this morning and and, uh, Judges is talking about there in chapter 1 and chapter 2 how there was a generation that grew up that didn't know God. May we demonstrate that faithfulness. May God be seen in our lives. And the whole purpose is, yes, so others can see Jesus Christ and be saved. So verse 45, that ye may be the children of your father. In other words, act like your daddy, which is in heaven. The genetic characteristics of a born-again believer, we're going to talk about that in these characteristics that he's talked about in these aspects. You've heard it said, but I say unto you, these are the characteristics of the heart that God wants of his children. Notice that the father makes his son to rise on evil and on good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. I think of that in Oregon, in Eugene, Oregon. We get plenty of rain. And you know what? When it rains out there, you just remind yourself that it's falling on the just and the unjust. That's the God whom we have. And thank the Lord for the rain that we have rather than complaining about the rain. Amen? Amen. I can't, and you know, I complain about so much. And I just need to stop. Who's the one that gives the rain? As we read just right here, God does. Uh, In Psalm 145, we think of the benevolence of our Father to give that rain unto uh, the just and the unjust. The eyes of all wait upon thee. Thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. We have a benevolent father who feeds the sparrows and all the other things that are around, the just and the unjust. May God help us. Paul said, if thine enemy hunger, what are we supposed to do? Feed him. And you think about Paul, how he had this desire to have people come to know the Lord. And so he deals with this. And then in verse 46, as we continue on in this this scenario here, uh, for if you love them which love you, what reward have you? You're going to discover in this second mile and this idea of, of, of loving your enemies that there is greater rewards to you. You see, if I love somebody else that can uh, be my friend, I'm getting a reward right here. Does that make sense? If I give some uh, food to someone and they give food back to me, I'm getting my rewards here. But if I give to someone and expect nothing in return, and maybe nothing ever comes in this life, I will get my rewards in eternity. They might slap you. They might put you in jail and all these things. There's a reward day coming. And God talks about this. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. May God help us with this. Notice as he continues on. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? 
And when I think of this, I think of maybe in our, when it, when it says salute, that's giving greeting, you know, high five. And man, it's so great to see you. And we love being with our friends. And we love having people over to our house that uh, are our friends. What did Jesus Christ do? He sat down with publicans and sinners. You know, the longer I'm saved, the easier it is for me to enjoy the folks in church and to forget about people that are outside the church. Do the people outside the church need Jesus Christ? I just want to encourage you. Easter is coming and we have an opportunity to talk more uh, about Jesus Christ than we do about the Easter Bunny. To share our faith. To go out there and to help people that are in this world that need to see Jesus Christ. We say, what's wrong with the world? Well, I will come back to the church and say, what's wrong with the church? The church is losing its heart for souls. And we get caught up in our little twisty mindsets of things that we're doing and what we're going to accomplish. Isn't this fun what we're doing in church? Listen, church is to be a light into this world and to spread the gospel. Now I want to encourage you. I hope that you're being brought under conviction. We have opportunity. We have brochures there in the back that you can give out to to folks and invite them to to Easter services. But it's not just about Easter. There's tracts there in the back that we can give out to uh, tracts that help people come to know the Lord. Or we can share our faith. Or we can have a smile on our face. Or we can react properly when things go wrongly in this world. May God be seen in our lives. What do you more Than others. I encourage you in this. He says don't even the publicans the same. Salute your brethren. And what do you more than others. Do not even the publicans so. And he comes now to the conclusion of this message. uh, Excuse me. Chapter 5. He says be therefore perfect. Even as your father which is in heaven. Is perfect. Now, it's almost like a review question here. What do you more than others? Have you been pondering? Have we been listening? All these things about anger and adultery and divorce and oaths and and uh, and uh, uh, the turning the cheek and the cloak and the second mile and 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 loving your enemies and and doing good and praying for them. And he's he's almost like he's given a, uh, a review question. Uh, It's a question for us to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Being honest with ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but it can be a discouraging question. If I'm honest with myself. And I can get discouraged in this and saying, boy, you know what? I'm not perfect. Understand, though, that this word perfect means to be mature. To grow up. I'm glad that my children grew up. Amen to that. I'm glad I'm growing up. And that's what he's talking about here. So you're born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved. You're just a baby in Christ. And God wants us to grow up. That's what he's saying here. We are a work in progress. 
And so we want to be greater identified with how God is, who God is, and reflect God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in verse 48 that we need to look at this as the potential. If you have been born again, God wants us to grow up. And I started thinking, well, what helps us to grow up? Well, we need to recognize that we need to grow up. Amen. And then we need to be eating healthy food. Can I say that we don't need church less? We don't need our devotions less. We don't need church light. We don't need church lukewarm. We don't need church lazy. We need to be engaging ourselves into the growing up process. And sometimes there's the algebras of our Christian growth that gets us through different seasons of our lives to become what God wants us to be, and that is to mature our lives to reflect Jesus Christ and the conduct of His life. As I go through these things, I realize there is no way that I can do these things in and of myself. Right? Now, the natural man or the lost man has... A tendency towards trying to have morality in his life. Did you know that? Look at this verse here. Romans chapter 2. He says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Interesting. This is this is a concept to understand that there's a difference between humanity and animals. You know, people that believe in evolution, I think they will have a real difficult time. How come man has a moral side and animals do not have a moral side? Man has a worship side. Animals do not have a worship side. Where does that come from? It comes from the creator who created us in his image. Every man has been created in the image of God. That means he has a moral side to him. Oh, yes, he's a sinner. But um, a lost person still has inside of him, there's a reality out there. Now, they try to do away with God. And and uh, was it Proverbs or Psalms that says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It is totally foolish for a man to reject that there's a creator or there's a God. Totally foolish. Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 3 that God has put eternity in man's heart. Man knows that there's something after death and they have to be educated out of that by the humanist educational system. So here, the Gentiles have a law to themselves which show the works of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Interesting concept there. You know, it's amazing. I'll be talking to somebody and, and uh, then all of a sudden they'll, they'll discover that I'm a pastor. All of a sudden they figure I better, they better change their vocabulary. I didn't ask them to change their vocabulary. There's a conscience there. Now a conscience can be seared. And that's what's happening today. Consciences are being seared because we're trying to, in our culture to do away with any 
uh, recognition of God. But I'm going to tell you something. Man still deals with it. And men need to be brought to the awareness that they need a Savior. Brought under the idea that they are sinful. And I tell you what. When we go and try to witness to people. It's very easy to help people to recognize that they're lost. Do you know that? It really is. Most people will not admit it when you first come to them. They say, hey, are you going to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Well, how do you know you're going to heaven? They say, well, I'm going there because uh, I'm a pretty good person. Well, let's find out how good you are. Have you ever lied? What's that make you? You ever stole anything? What's that make you? Have you ever used God's name in vain? What's that make you? You ever looked at a woman and lusted after her in your heart? What does that make you? Well, you know, on your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous adulterer. Right? You know, people try to put their moral goodness as if they're going to stand before God. Now, I want to show you the difference, if it's all right, to show you the difference of this of this difference between a lost person and a, uh, a saved person. The, the, the difference of, of how they view the law towards a lost person and a Christian. A lost person has this this law, this moral consciousness, if you might say, in their in their hearts. And and I remember when I when I was lost, I I just thought that God put a black X on my uh, on well my 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 soul. I thought my my soul was where I sit down. Now I don't know if it's because my daddy uh, spanked me there or everything, but I thought God put the black X's there as well. And I knew I had a few black X's in, in my thing. And, and so even as a lost person, I'm bartering with God about, you know, trying to, 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 to appease uh, him on this. But a lost person views the law in a negative way, does not want to be dishonest. Uh, and unjust or immoral. Maybe uh, um, he can hold some of these things grudgingly. Oh, man, I've got to tell the truth. Or maybe if I can get away with this, I'll, I'll get away with it. And so a lost person has this kind of idea of, of the law where a Christian delights after the positive having a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Now, as I go through this, I want you to ask yourself, which category do you find yourself in? Lost or saved? Some people don't need to grow up. Some people need to get saved. There's a delight in discovering God's truths. There's a delight in having God speak to our heart. In view of sin, the lost terms of actions done or not done, where a Christian comes to this place, and we see this in the Sermon on it's in the terms of the Attitude of the heart. The longer I'm saved, the more I realize the attitudes of my heart. It's kind of like the little boy that was asked to stand up by his parents. Remember that? And the little boy stood up and he says, but I'm sitting down in my heart. May God help us to have the right heart in view of sin. In view of selfishness or self, the lost, well, I'm not a saint and there's defects in my character and, and I, I'm not going to ever be what I should be. And, and, and God will overlook these things. That's the lost mindset. A Christian mindset is he mourns because of sin. 
He understands that he's hell deserving. And if it had not been for Christ, there'd be no hope of eternal life. Charles Wesley realized how vile and full of sin uh, that, that, that he, he is. And, and we see that this natural or the lost people uh, living by their, their pretty goodness uh, there in Matthew chapter 7. He says, well, Lord, we've done this and we've done that and we've done this as if we can brag about these things. There is nothing that we can brag about save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that has set us free from the penalty of our sins. In reference to others, lost people have a tolerance an allowance. Christians need to understand that sinners are the victims of sin. They're captive by Satan and they're lost. And we cannot lose our burden to share with them the Lord Jesus Christ. In view of, uh, of God, a lost person, again, I go back to my mind of God, someone to be obeyed and feared. As a born-again believer, we grow to love God, to know Him, to have an intimate relationship with Him, to understand that He has the very hairs of our head uh, numbered. He knows the very words that come out of our mouths. You think of the, how God pays attention to us, how He loves us and cares for us. No good thing will He withhold from them that love Him. God help us with this. The view of God. And then the view of living. The lost, well, they're going to keep records of their good on one hand, knowing what the other hand does and it gives out of, 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 of abundance. And so that they, they kind of have this idea, this scale that, uh, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting all this good stuff on, on here. And, uh, and, and truly, I'm not Hitler and I'm going to go to heaven because look at all the good things that I've done. Surely God wouldn't send me to hell because of all the good things that I've done. Right or wrong? Wrong. Isaiah 64 says that even our good deeds are filthy rags in his sight. And we've lost sight of the holiness of God. A Christian will give without counting the cost. Each hand does not know what the other did. It's not that, well, I have, I've lived my life and I've, I've, uh, I've finished uh, my service for the king and therefore I can cruise on out to eternity. I hope that none of us had that attitude. By the way, you notice that in the bulletin there, uh, there's uh, seven reasons why to join the nursery. You all see that? They're going to have a potluck after the second service today. And, you know, sometimes we can develop an attitude that says, well, you know, I, I've put my time in the nursery. I've, uh, I've changed enough diapers. By the way, I've changed enough diapers. <laughs> But, you know, I think my wife and I are going to join the nursery. And I won't have to change diaper. Karen guarantees it. Y'all heard that, right? She guarantees it. There you go. I mean, we can do this once a month or once every two months on a Sunday night. Pastor Nathan, boy, he's been given such wonderful messages on Sunday nights. Oh, I, I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss that service. I want to hear him. Boy, it's so good. But honey, 
how about we go in the nursery once a month or once every two months so that maybe there's some mother who doesn't have to be in there that can come out here and serve and, and learn and grow and develop. See what I'm saying? You know, too often we, 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 we just need to say, God, lead me, guide me, show me what to do. The Christian gives without counting the cost. Each hand does not know what the other did. Listen, there is no pride that should be in us that should keep us from going forward and serving whatever God asks us to do. I love this study on Wednesday night, and that is walking in the Spirit. And then uh, in view of troubles, in view of troubles. And I know this one might be getting a little bit more difficult to some of us, but the loss... We'll go through the troubles more of a stoic resignation or as a gentleman and dignity and calm and iron and willpower. And, and they'll have this mindset that, that we can just march through this. Where a Christian will rejoice in tribulation. That's kind of tough, isn't it? In fact, I remember, Carolyn, when I preached on this in Second Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says, I rejoice in in tribulations and persecutions and in all these things. And I, I remember, I don't know, Don, if you remember what I said, but I, I said, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I, I don't I can't understand how Paul can say those things. And that week, as I prayed, I says, Lord, how did Paul get there? I mean, here he went through shipwrecks and all these things. How did he get there? How did he mature? How did he grow up to that? And God just kind of said, you know, it is through those persecutions that you learn to trust in me. And by getting through, but by trusting in the Lord and seeing his wonderful care in your lives. And then we can thank the Lord for the struggles that we go through. I, I, I don't know, in my flesh, which is, you know, part of that lost side that's still hanging on of, of the uh, unregenerated flesh. It wants everything to go well. Isn't that right? Don't you want everything? You know, how many want your car to break down tomorrow? <laughs> Every one of us wants things to go well. And so oftentimes we are so geared up for it to go well that when things go poorly, we sink under the circumstances. We want everybody to be nice to us. We want everything to turn... But God says it's not about those things. It's about uh, rejoicing in the Lord and giving Him praise for the conduct of our lives that Christ might be seen in our lives. Uh, it was the funeral of uh, the Stutchels. Uh, are they in here this morning? I uh, saw them. They were in Sunday school. But you know their uh, uh, nephew was killed in that automobile accident. They just had the memorial yesterday. He left behind 11 kids. At the memorial service, one person came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And his wife, Wendy, said, you know, now I can have peace that my husband did not die in just an accident. Someone has come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Would you say that would take a little growing up to come to a position like that? Rejoicing, seeing the hidden meaning, all things working together. Ah. Even the disciples, when they scattered after the, the, the crucifixion of the Lord, their lives had fallen apart. And then they come to find Christ. And after that, the change of life. What a, what a blessing. And then the view of injustice. Uh, just 
view of injustice, and I need to finish up. You know, people, again, the lost will have that iron will, and it, it, does, not, it does not hit back or retaliate to maybe some misunderstandings. Christians will, will gladly and willingly accept this injustice so that their responses might bring glory to the Lord. View of enemy, passive Christians, as we've already talked about, to love them and uh, to pray for them. And then in view of death, the lost die with dignity. Sometimes they'll die with story. And I've been at, at, uh, at deathbeds of lost people and, uh, and saved people and everything and all. And, and, and so when people face death, even in the, in the lost world, there can be that stoic calmness, that resignation that we're all going to die. And everything. But for a Christian, to die is what? Gain. Desires that apart is far better. We have an eternal home. The presence of God. Know where we're going. Let me ask you this question. Do you know where you're going to go? Amen. amen. And amen. Now some of these things and, and all of what we've shared here in, in this, this passage here and even what we've talked about here in these lost and saved comparisons, there's a part of growing up where these things gain greater ownership in our lives. And I trust that God is doing a work in your life so that you and I are growing up for his glory. Father, I pray that you'll just help us now as we um, take on, uh, because we are born again, because we've been saved, uh, that we, we find the strength inside of us. This is not natural. These things that I've talked about are not normal. But these are the uh, things of the genetic structure of a being born again. Not in of ourselves, not in our own flesh to walk the life, but allowing you to shape us and to mold us through these struggles. Lord, I, uh, as I read this and, and I see, Lord, how much more we all can grow up. Help us to do that. Bring us under conviction, whatever it might be in our lives. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. <laughs> Are you grown up? Are we coming to that place of maturity? The completeness of our life, a work in progress. Do I see the things that God's doing in my life? If I were to take this review test over what Jesus Christ has been talking about, how am I doing? We need to be honest with ourselves. You know, there's no sense trying to fool other people because there's only one that we need to, to, to uh, give an account to and that to be honest with. That one is our God in heaven. And I find that if we're willing to be honest with God in heaven, we'll be honest with others. God knows what's going on, and I just want to encourage you. If God speaks to your heart, maybe you need to grow up in this aspect of how we treat our enemies. Pray for those. Oh, you say, preacher, I, there's, a, there's things this morning that I have seen that I struggle with. I've listed many things. But God can speak to your heart. And if you recognize it, what God is doing in your heart and my heart, what I need to change. Then let's just bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to grow up. Help me to mature so that this world might see Christ. I think too often we're trying to be like Mike. Or be like the pastor. We need to be like Jesus Christ.
And if God spoke to your heart about some area this morning, why not just deal with it today? And I get on my knees and I say, Lord, show me those things that I need to work on. And then work on those things. We're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe you can say this morning, before we finish this time, you say to yourself, there are... There are things that I need to decide on. So why don't we just take a moment to just ask the Lord, what is it that you're talking to my heart about? Maybe some need to get saved. Some people need to just get become a Christian. To act like a Christian, we have to be a Christian. We need to be a Christian. We cannot rest upon just the moral fibers of our creation we can be changed. So, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts. Help us now as we come to this invitation time. I would hope that many have been spoken to this morning, and not, not by a preacher, but by your word and by the Holy Spirit. Father, it breaks my heart that we've lost burdens for souls. We, we get too wrapped up in having nice things happen to us rather than sharing our faith and being a witness. Lord, I pray that our light would so shine before men. Help us this week to be committed to share our faith with others. Lord, help us to be a part of bringing people to you. You to rescue their souls for all of eternity. Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.